Hello, and welcome to the Bitcoin Butlers podcast. I am Mike Watkins, and with me, as always, my good friend and business partner, Matt Burke. Hello. And each episode, we try and bring you an intellectually honest discussion about news and events affecting Bitcoin. If you like our content, please like, subscribe, and share. So we actually haven't done one of these in about a month. Just uh, I was on vacation, and Matt, you were on vacation, and we just had some other conflicts going on. So it's been uh, somewhat of an uneventful month for Bitcoin, both in terms of news and in terms of price action. But what are your thoughts on what you've seen from Bitcoin in the time that we've been away? So like you said, uh, on the surface, not a whole lot has happened. Um, there's not any you know, huge breaking news um, or anything that's overly exciting. But at the same time, um, things have been happening. I mean, we've seen the uh, hash rate hit an all-time high. We saw as part of that, the largest difficulty adjustment happened uh, a few cycles ago, which uh, shows that you've just got a tremendous amount of, of mining capability continuing to come online. Uh, we have seen price kind of stay where it was within a you know relatively small range, um, despite additional rate hikes and and turbulence around the world in terms of of energy and global conflict and politics. So I think that you know from my perspective, you've kind of seen Bitcoin just do its thing and not really be affected tremendously one way or the other over the past month or so. Mm -hmm. What are Well, I think that one of the things that's really weird is just how stable it's been over the past month. So if you take a look at like the FANG stocks and the NASDAQ, they've had an exceptionally volatile month. We, we saw drops of 20% from Amazon after earnings. We saw a drop of like 20% from Facebook after earnings. And even with the announcement of the Fed today, I think the NASDAQ was down about three, three, three and a half percent after that. Mm -hmm. Bitcoin is down a little bit, kind of just hasn't done much of anything. It's really been pretty stable. And I think one of the questions to ask is why or what, what does this say? And there are a number of theories on that. You know, one of them is that Bitcoin just reacted first, like when Bitcoin had uh had its move from its high to to where it is now had its beginning drop. of this year basically yeah that it was just front running everything else i'm not a big subscriber to that theory i think that theory is there and you kind of make the the pattern fit the theory yeah that's a, that's a uh, good hindsight 2020 theory right right and i don't and and it, it may be right i just i'm not really subscribing to that much i I, I think that there may be some people who have large amounts of capital to deploy who understand what Bitcoin is and who are uh, buying it at these prices or, or, or buying it when it dips a little bit at these prices, something kind of keeping it particularly stable. And it's been weirdly weirdly stable so maybe that's a sign of bitcoin's maturity maybe it's a sign that the the larger players are already dialed into what this is and they are um they're continuing to buy and, and continue to keep it at at an even level but i don't know i do know though that if you were to tell someone that Fed raised rates another 75 basis points today, and the NASDAQ was down three, three and a half percent, and Bitcoin barely moved. If you told them this a year ago, they would probably tell you that's practically impossible. That's just not how it works. Right. And um, I don't know if that means we're seeing a decoupling of Bitcoin from uh, the tech stocks. I don't know. Um, I, I don't claim to have the answer to that. I, I just, I, I'm just taking a look at what I see, and uh, it's it's interesting. It's very interesting. Yeah, I agree. Um, all right. Well, you want to get into some uh, adoption news? Yeah. 
All right, mm-hmm. let's uh, pull up these articles. Um, so the first one is Cash App. 47 million Cash App users can now send and receive Bitcoin Lightning payments. So um, Cash App announced that they're going to be allowing users to send Bitcoin over the Lightning Network uh, to where you can send and receive. Um, and, and this is, uh, it used to only be one way um, with with Cash App where you could, um, I believe you could you could send it, um, but you couldn't receive it. And now you can do both. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, we, I know you and I both sort of have this. Uh, uh, we're both big fans of the Lightning Network, and I also think the Lightning Network, as we've discussed on this this many times before, is that it's Bitcoin's killer app. And that lightning needs to be in the discussion of everything Bitcoin. And and lightning is one of the most important ways that that Bitcoin is going to interact with, um, I'd say mostly with merchants at this point, right? Like if you're, yeah. if, if I'm, well, I guess if I, I guess you could use it to send uh, like a Venmo to a friend too. Sure. Because uh, you, you will want to use like the, the main net for that. But mostly when you think about using and spending Bitcoin, it's going to be through Lightning. And so essentially what Cash App has done here, uh, they've made it so you can send, you know, there are 47 million people can send it to and from each other. Um, there was one thing that was interesting here that I did want to bring up because I, I don't understand it. it. The article mentioned, and by the way, another article by Sean Amick. Mm-hmm. And it, it, one of the, the highlights of the article to me was it said that that the features available across all of the U.S. except for New York State. So yeah, I did notice that. I don't know if that means that like if you're a resident of New York and Cash App has KYC and they know that you're a New York resident and you go out to Arizona on vacation and you want to pay for something using lightning on the cash app will it not work because you're a resident of new york or is it that if you're in the state of new york somehow that it won't work there or is this just a thing where they say well it won't work in new york but you know that's just lip service i would guess um that it's the first scenario you mentioned, meaning that if you sign up on Cash App and your KYC information has a New York address, you're not going to be able to do that. I don't I don't think I, I could be wrong, but I don't believe that Cash App is going to be uh, monitoring your location so that you can they can turn on and off capabilities based on whether or not you're inside the state lines of New York. But couldn't they do that with like an IP address? There, there's times where you, you know, there, there are things where if you want to play poker online, they can tell what state you're in by your IP address. So you could be yeah. a, you could be a Georgia resident. You got to Vegas and you want to play an, uh, you want to play poker online. You're allowed to do that in Vegas or Nevada, but you can't do that in Georgia. And that's done by IP address. I don't know. I, I think that, uh, I find it a bit humorous that New York, you know, supposedly the <laughs> the center of uh, of finance for the world is excluding itself from the future of finance. It is a bit yeah. humorous in some ways, and, it, and it's also one of those things where it's uh, it's not going to work, right? Like, there's no sure. point in doing this. All you're going to do is is say, okay, well, if New York doesn't want to be the center of uh, we'll call it digital assets or Bitcoin or crypto, whatever you want to call it, then fine. Miami will be the hub and we'll make that the special place for it. And, and New York can, it can lose its place in the world for that. I, but, but with that being said, um, I think that, that we're seeing now lightning move from being like this obscure thing that we kind of like the Bitcoiners talked about or, that we encountered for the first time at the Bitcoin conference 2022 and actually used it there. And it was kind of like, wow, we're using the lightning network. We'd heard about it in theory, but it really works. And we were able to pay for our snacks and drinks with it at the conference. 
and now you've seen the cash app do it and you know lightning is, is certainly uh moving up in the world for sure yeah absolutely um yeah i think you know this continues to solve the problem or answer the question of you know how do i buy a cup of coffee with bitcoin um you know and, and i think that you hear a lot of criticism of bitcoin that it's too slow and not you know can't handle enough transactions and whenever you see anything related to lightning you know that pretty much throws that argument out the window because the capacity of lightning to process a tremendous number of transactions um, even compared to some of the biggest payment networks out there like mm -hmm. the visa network um, is it's you know it's much greater than that in terms of capacity. So uh, I think we're going to continue to see adoption at the, I'll call it the consumer level or at the retail purchase level or the, you know, payment, small payments between people level um, will continue to expand on lightning, not necessarily um, on chain and it shouldn't be on chain. Yeah, it's it not designed for that. Yeah. 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 That's what, that's what a lot of people don't understand. And, uh, I mean, this is pretty huge news. If we, if it depends on how you look at it, um, and I'm looking at the way that I look at it, I think it's huge. I just think that that when you take one of the the largest payment apps in the world, really, and you add Lightning onto that, um, it, it's hard to understate how difficult that real estate is to acquire. It's hard to, to understate how difficult it is to be embedded in that. I think you mean um, overstate, but yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry <laughs> to overstate. Yeah. 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 I, I should have said you can't understate, yeah. um, but it's a really big deal. Um, and, and I think that's going to be a bit of the theme for what we're seeing in general, which is that you're seeing a lot of building. You're seeing a lot of institutions lay down the rails. This is what we've been seeing for months is that people have things in the works. They know this is going to be part um, of the future and, and they're building for it now, just like a business would build for anything else. Right. And, and you hear that saying you know, that, that things get built during the bear markets and we are seeing that. Um, I think there is a mm -hmm. tremendous amount of infrastructure being laid down um, and we continue to see that happen uh, in, in a lot of areas as, uh, as the price kind of, you know, stays where it is and, and stays well below all time highs. Um, you see a lot of, uh, businesses continuing to make serious investments in, you know, Bitcoin focused technology. Yeah. I'll tell you something I think is different and, and tell me if you disagree from, let's just say I'll use two years ago. So, two years ago would be November, 2020. I think in November, 2020, and maybe even November, 2021, people viewed digital assets, crypto, Bitcoin as a head scratcher in a way. Like, I don't know what this is. I don't know if this is a real, th I don't know if this is a real thing or not. Maybe head scratcher is not right, but just with a lot of like, uh, skepticism that it was magic internet money yeah it seemed it was treated as being more trivial maybe is the way to put it yeah it was just like this this weird thing that people were doing and i don't even know what that's all about and you know who knows where this is going to go is it a fad it's kind of it, it, it because i'll be honest i think a lot of it was and is a fad um we're not going to get we we don't talk about other things but i know there was an announcement today that I think on uh, Instagram, you could like mint and create your own NFTs. Mm -hmm. And I think that's maybe it'll be the biggest thing that we've seen in many years. Maybe it'll be another beanie baby type, you know, fanaticism going on with it. But I think it's just kind of silly. We, if people choose to do things that aren't that serious, it doesn't nothing wrong with that. There's, there's plenty of room for entertainment. But I don't really consider that to be like a world changing kind of thing yeah it's not a paradigm shifting type of uh thing no not at all but now comparing where we are today from like two years ago even one year ago i think that there's been a lot of capitulation in from the institutions 
And maybe, maybe once again, my choice of words tonight is not great because I have capitulation is the best word, but the institutions are building. The financial sure. institutions are all, and I think when I say all, I mean like 90 plus percent are all building for the future of digital assets. And I also think that based on some other surveys we've seen, people have accepted already in their consciousness this concept of these digital assets. They're no longer like treated like a collectible or something silly that just like these computer people into. People are building really serious things around it. And, and we're going to see that in, in the, uh, the other stories we have tonight. Yeah. Well, with that, let's go to the next one, um, which is uh, related to the hash rate and mining. And uh, the, the headline is record hash rates may see big oil become a major Bitcoin mining player. And, um, you know, this article, which was on Cointelegraph, um, was really about a couple of things. One is the fact that you're seeing, um, you know, the Bitcoin hash rate reaching all-time highs um i think on november 1st it hit a high of 267 exahashes um and that's you know almost a 60 percent increase since the beginning of the year um and and i mean that's that's a pretty significant jump in in you know 10 months um it's bananas <laughs> i i mean I don't know what analogy would be like this, but let's imagine that Mount Everest was twice as high as it, it is right now. And then another 60% got added to it in the right. course of a year. It's just the, the, the numbers when when you talk about the, the exahashes per second, I wonder how many people could tell you what an exa, how big is an exahash? Yeah, it's um... enormous. Enormous. It's, uh, uh, it's, it, it's, I believe, I'm almost positive, it's more than every single grain of sand in the world. Like every grain of sand on every beach in the world. It's something crazy like that. It's um, something ridiculous. But, you know, you're talking about, um, and I don't, I, I'm trying to think of what the, uh, the actual, the numbers are how many, you know, how many thousands of trillions an exahash is, but it's, you know, you're talking about numbers that are so large that, you know, a rounding error of that amount is in, you know, in the billions or trillions. So it's like, it's, it's, it's just, you can't get your head around how big of how many transactions are, are being cycled through per second on, on this network. It's just mind blowing. Um, yes. and, and you can see, I put a graph up here, but I mean, the, um, the number of transactions per second per second or calculations per second in the network has just, um, grown tremendously. Um, even over just, you know, the past, the past year, um, you can see that it's gone, you know, way up. Um, but to look at where it was just, you know, two, three years ago is, it's just mind blowing. And, and two, three years ago was high. Like those were very high numbers The the graph makes it look small, yeah. but in reality, the, the Bitcoin numbers are, they're, they're not something that humans can really understand. Yeah. And if you look at kind of the low end of this graph, I mean, you're only talking, you know, four years ago, mm -hmm. four and a half years ago. I mean, it's, mm -hmm. you know, it, that's a, um, that is a pretty steep curve, I guess you could say. And um, so, you know, as far as this, this article and what it really means um, is that you're seeing just an, an enormous amount of hash power coming onto the network. And then on top of that, um, you're seeing miners struggling. The the mm -hmm. traditional mining companies are, are struggling somewhat between the price of Bitcoin and the rising energy costs that we're seeing worldwide. Um, it's getting more and more difficult for these miners to be profitable, um, especially given that you know they've they've made tremendous investments into all of this mining infrastructure. Um, and when you look at you know their ability to actually generate 
cash flow from from the mining activity, it gets harder and harder as those um, as the price kind of stays flat and the energy costs go up. So you know the, the article talks about seeing some of these larger miners potentially you know having financial problems. Um, some of them are having to sell Bitcoin. We heard last week uh, that one of the large miners, Core Scientific, uh, filed with the SEC that they were having liquidity issues and might need to seek bankruptcy protection. Um, so you're seeing some of that going on, which is not good news for those miners. And, you know, I think hopefully they can, some of the, the bigger ones can, can weather the storm and, and come out the other side. Um, but what the article talks about is that, you know, as a result, you might start seeing big oil companies uh, starting to actually mine their own Bitcoin uh, specifically using natural gas flaring. I think ExxonMobil has uh, gotten into some level of Bitcoin mining. Um, and I've said this before. I, I think I think big oil is is one potential um, place where you'll see mining starting to happen. Especially here in the U.S., we've got some, you know the uh, the quote unquote Inflation Reduction Act mm. uh, gives some incentives for uh, for for reducing the emission of flared methane. So that's actually an incentive to mine Bitcoin for mm. um, for these oil companies, as well as um, you might start to see energy companies start to mine Bitcoin. We've talked about this before. That's another area where um, you know energy providers can actually help stabilize the grid and create a, new, a completely new revenue stream um, by mining Bitcoin. Agreed. And 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 I I think this is a no brainer for the oil companies because they're they're not paying for the electricity. Right. Right. I mean, they can they'll they'll pay for the machine one time that will convert the um, the flares into electricity and the miners for them. They're they're putting like these like uh, almost like shipping containers. Yeah, they're huts. Yeah. Yeah, huts. And so they're mobile. Say move it to where it needs to go. And this is free energy that's going to make them money. It's kind of a no brainer for them. And I, I would not be surprised if we were to look out say 10 years, so 2032, and I'll say 60% of all Bitcoin mining is being done by uh, power companies and um, oil companies. Oil companies, yeah. Right. Because it's kind of a no-brainer for both. And and as we, we, we talked about just a bit earlier, as Bitcoin moves from being this like, weird idea that just like the small group of people were into and it moves into being like a real asset um something i did want to bring up that i i I forgot before someone's telling me it's not someone who's into bitcoin and we're just talking about different things in the market and they said all of a sudden they started seeing in like the wall street journal like bitcoin price listed like Mm -hmm. you're starting to see the bitcoin price listed with the other financial markets and it wasn't there a year or two ago. So it's, it's being included in the discussion. You know, it's, it's there for people who aren't looking for Bitcoin. So this is, this is what we expect to see. Um, I don't know how much these publicly traded, very large miners, what kind of role they're going to have as we move forward. I mean, everything's different when Bitcoin's trading at 60,000 a Bitcoin or, even 600,000 of Bitcoin, you know, right. the, the, the math gets very different, but let's also keep in mind, even when Bitcoin's going to be at 600,000 of Bitcoin, the difficulty is going to be astronomical even compared to today. So this is just, this is one of those things where I, I think we can list like things that people who don't understand Bitcoin don't understand. And so one of the things that you don't understand about Bitcoin is that when you hear Bitcoin slow, it is slow. It's intended to be slow. But the Lightning Network is fast as lightning, <laughs> and uh, and then when they talk about like Bitcoin uses all the world's energy, no, Bitcoin's good for energy. Bitcoin, Bitcoin can turn stranded energy, and people don't understand how much energy is stranded. I mean, oh, yeah. the amount of energy stranded is you know, it's just crazy. Or waste. It's more. It's more than the energy. Yeah, wasted energy is more than the amount of energy that Bitcoin consumes. Exactly. So people, you know, there was a big thing, you know, as far as recycling 
I almost view this as being sort of like something like that. You're taking something that's being thrown out and wasted and you're turning to something that has a benefit for society and it'll also generate revenue for the people doing it. So uh, I'm not surprised to see this. Um, this article was from, I'm not sure. Uh, do you know where this article came from? Where it came from or when it came well, it came from this came from a, a uh, like a crypto coin telegraph coin telegraph. Is okay, the, yeah. this wasn't a this wasn't like a financial Young, times article yeah. or anything like that. It wasn't like a, you know from uh, from a different publication. This was a a digital asset focused publication or Bitcoin focused publication. So this is what we're going to see. Um, this is Exxon. How many meetings does it take for Exxon to agree to to mine Bitcoin? with uh, methane gas flares and yeah answers a lot they're, they're not a just lot. flipping that flipping a switch uh yeah no, um no. and there it, it mentions that exxon's working with a denver-based company called crusoe energy systems to uh to mine bitcoin they're doing that mm. uh, right now in north dakota um and um and then you know there are other companies around the world there's a uh, uh, gas problem in in russia mm. is mm. is starting to mine Bitcoin as well. So there is, uh, you know, a tremendous amount of movement towards the mining getting closer to the energy source. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Significant. Yep. Um, all right. Next article is Apollo, um, which is a $500 billion asset manager, is going to be launching Bitcoin custody for its institutional clients. Uh, we see these types of articles. It seems like, you know, every week or two, there's a new uh, financial institution, and whether it's a brokerage, custodian, bank, whatever, uh, offering custodial services for their clients um, or the ability to trade Bitcoin. Um, all of those things are are starting to come online with more frequency, but this one is uh, is a pretty significant one. Yeah, I looked up in in researching this today. I just went to Wikipedia and looked up, you know, what has Apollo been involved in, mm -hmm. and the answer is just about everything. I mean, the 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 companies they've bought and sold they're really into like cruising industry. I think at one point they bought AMC. Mm -hmm. They've they, they acquire entire companies. Um, and, and it's just a continuation of what we've been seeing, which is that all of the asset managers and money managers are getting into two things, custody, particularly for institutions, and also some kind of a buying acquisition of Bitcoin. So we're just going to add Apollo to the list, but you get a $500 billion asset manager in there with a, a long history like they've had and, and very diverse interests. And uh, it's just another step of moving from this, uh, from obscurity to mainstream. Yep, absolutely. Um, all right, the next one, next article. Um so MoneyGram is going to allow users, users to trade Bitcoin. Um, MoneyGram uh, is a payment service. It's it's kind of like Western Union, right? Is that? Yeah, I I believe it's like number two to Western mm -hmm. Union. And so and they're, yeah, they're in like I think something when I look them up, it's they're in basically pretty much every country in the world. Yeah, and they um, they're partnering with um, with CoinMe uh, to provide uh, Bitcoin trading within their platform. Yeah, I mean it's once again, you know, it's it's like if you're going to be in the money business, part of being it, it, what we what I think we're seeing here is that people who are in the money business, whether it's trading, you know. The, the cash app or it's sending payments, whether it's money management, uh, whether it's uh, like the Western Union or MoneyGrams, anyone in the money business is looking to make sure that they have the infrastructure to handle, uh, I think the best term to use here is cryptocurrencies. Yeah. I mean, in this case, they're talking, it looks like they're offering uh, Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Litecoin um, initially. 
Um, I, I was going to read this quote from the CEO of MoneyGram. Um, this is what he said about it was cryptocurrencies are additive to everything we're doing at MoneyGram from dollars to euros to yen and so on. MoneyGram enables instant access to over 120 currencies around the globe. And we see crypto and digital currencies as another input and output option. As a next step in the evolution of MoneyGram, we're thrilled to provide our customers with access to a trusted and easy to use platform to securely buy, sell, and hold select cryptocurrencies. So, you know, when you read that, it's abundantly clear that what they are, that they're just starting to accept the fact that if you're going to allow your customers to transact in a number of different currencies, you have to include these currencies in that list. Mm -hmm. and, and I think that the, the infrastructure that's being built right now is um, indicative of where these companies think things are going. And we're also seeing this, you know, we've had, uh, we're seeing this from world leaders as we're seeing like world leaders change and their stance on cryptocurrencies is something that's being discussed, right? Their position on these things. Yeah. And, I cannot, I don't know of one right now that is pushing back saying, no, we're not going to have that in country X. Well, country X is going to ban all digital currencies, all cryptocurrencies. It's, I don't know if we're really past that tipping point because I think you, you need time to really get a good evaluation of that. But there's certainly an argument to be made that we're past the tipping point that is just, it's getting woven into, it's getting woven into all the systems in society, particularly the money systems. So it's getting woven into the public consciousness and it's also getting woven into payment rails. Uh, this is something we saw last year, the integration of strike where you mm -hmm. could go to, you could pay with Bitcoin at a home Depot if you want. They're using the, uh, I forgot the network. Is it Black Knight? Something like that? Blackhawk. Blackhawk. Um, and they're actually using, the, the payment rails are using some of those places are the gift cards. That's, right. that's how they do the QR code. So we're just seeing it just infiltrate everything. And I think if you were to go into a, a coma for, <laughs> let's say, five years and wake up on November 2nd, 2027, I think you just see Bitcoin and digital currencies everywhere. And, and I do want to mention something that we, we are, we are Bitcoin believers. I'm going to speak for you here, Matt. Sure. We, we, we understand what Bitcoin is. Um, we believe it is the, uh, not investment advice, but we believe it is unlike anything else that's out there that the difference between Bitcoin and Ethereum is huge and the difference between Bitcoin and Litecoin is huge. There's only one Bitcoin. But um, I think those other cryptocurrencies do play a role in worldwide adoption. That this idea that you would only have that only Bitcoin should be used and only Bitcoin is good enough. Um, uh, which which a number of people subscribe to. I, I don't personally subscribe to that. I, I don't, I'm not I don't have much interest in Litecoin or Ethereum, but other people do. And the idea is for there to be options and choices. And, and if that helps get Bitcoin onto all these payment rails and all these payment platforms, then I'm all for it. I don't care if they take 150 different cryptocurrencies, as long as they take Bitcoin, which sure. is my personal thing. No, I, I agree. And I think that, you know, the opinion that I have of those coins, notwithstanding, because I don't own them and I don't use them, um, I think that, and whether or not there's real use cases for them um, is debatable. And it's probably specific to each of those, you know, hundreds of, of coins that are out there. But um, the way that I see it is that it is a way for, people to gain exposure to this type of asset. And my personal belief is that over time, um, Bitcoin with the help of the lightning network will kind of suck a lot of those other cryptocurrencies in like a big black hole. Um, and so 
that's okay too. But I agree. I don't, I don't think that there's any compelling reason to, uh, to condemn those coins or to, you know, chastise people who use them. Um, I think that all of it is moving money in the direction of being digital. And, you know, aside from something like a CBDC, I think all of that's pretty good stuff. Right. Agreed. Mm -hmm. Okay. So uh, you want to talk about the last article, anything else on, sure. on that? Um, no. All right. So this last one, leading South African retailer pick and pay starts accepting Bitcoin. Um, this is uh, one of the largest grocery store chains in South Africa. I think they it said they have uh, about 16% of the grocery market share in, in the country and 2000 stores. And they're going to allow uh, customers to buy groceries using a QR code at checkout that will instantly convert um, from uh, from Bitcoin to uh, to Rand, and you know, right at the point of sale. And so I think they said that there's a there were there was a pilot of ten stores. They're rolling it out to I think about thirty more stores, and they've got a total of two thousand stores. Mm -hmm. And they're they're also using the Lightning Network. Mm -hmm. And the cost per translate per transaction will be about four cents. So this is another Lightning Network story. Um, this actually, of all the stories we've ever done, this is probably the one that was the most meaningful to me mm -hmm. uh, because my father was one of their early employees. Right. So. Uh, I remember playing ping pong at the. The, the 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 founder of the company was a guy named Raymond Ackerman, who I think is now is in his nineties. I remember going to his house and playing ping pong with his kids. Um, and my dad worked for Pick and Pay. I, he probably started working for them. I don't know the exact year, but uh, I know that Raymond Ackerman bought four stores in 1967, 68, and I don't think it was long before. It wasn't much time after that that uh, my father started working for them and. Uh, there are a number of things to get from this, um, which is that one, when we're talking about Bitcoin and, and cryptocurrencies and all these kind of things, although, wait, I want to go back. I, I, uh, if, if pick and pay is using the Lightning Network, Lightning Network is Bitcoin only. Yeah. So do you know if they're, if this is Bitcoin only? Um, okay. From what I could tell in the article, I believe it is Bitcoin only. Yeah. Okay. So that, that was my belief also. This is Bitcoin only. And so when we talk about payment rails and all these things that are happening, it's very, very difficult for people in the United States to, to conceptualize things that do not happen in the United States. Uh, and, and, and maybe it's like, it's like that for some other countries too, that you know the, the world kind of revolves around your, your space. But what we see with this is we're seeing things all around the world. We didn't have any news about Argentina or Brazil today. But we are seeing people, we are seeing this adoption happen in countries all around the world. And when you get the largest, I, I believe Pick and Pay is the largest retailer in South Africa. Mm -hmm. They have 2,000 stores. So that's a monumental um, part of Bitcoin's adoption. Sure. And I it's, think as far as I know, I don't remember seeing other... Um, grocery store chains accepting Bitcoin. Um, so I think this, at least as far as articles that we've spoken about, um, I think this was the first in the in the grocery space. Mm -hmm. uh, there's another thing to consider is that um, South Africa does not, there, there are a, a large number of unbanked people in South Africa. Mm -hmm. Right? So... I think much like Brazil, where you've got very wealthy people and very poor people that live there. It's very similar to South Africa. Very, very wealthy people live there. Very poor people. Not a huge not a, middle class. And and a lot of unbanked people there. And I, I and they, they did mention this in that article is that, you know, they're they're trying to appeal um they're trying to appeal to the largest audience possible. And I, yeah. I, I know from personal experience, 
what that store did to appeal to both their, I'm going to call it their rich customers and their poor customers. And, and that was a thing that they would have, like, I'm making this up now, like in their meat department, they would have like prime ribeye or our version of prime ribeye, but they would also have meat there for poor people to buy whatever, whatever that meat may be. They would mm -hmm. have specials there to, to appeal to both the high end of the market and low end of the market. Uh, I also think this is really innovative by pick and pay. And it probably shows why they're the largest you know, retailer in that country. 2000 stores, a lot of stores to manage. Um, and uh, it's quite extraordinary to see them using lightning and to, to see a, a company that size just implemented everywhere using uh, lightning and QR codes. Yeah. I mean, and, and just to give some perspective, I was, I was trying to look here um, just to see how many like Kroger locations, there's 1,348 Kroger's in, uh, in the U S so, you know, 50% more pick and pays than there are Kroger's. Um, and, and Kroger, I consider to be a, a large grocery chain, um, in this country. So you're talking about a, a very significant retailer. Yeah. I mean, also look for South Africa is a much smaller country sure. and, and also it, to be intellectually honest, there are a number of other, um, there are a number of other uh, brand names under the Kroger umbrella. I believe Ralph's is under there. Yeah, they they, they've a got a number. Them. They've got a number of stores. Sure. But uh, you know, the the headline should be the largest grocery store chain in South Africa is accepting Bitcoin on the Lightning Network. Right. That um, in and of itself is is a uh, is is real news. One other thing I noticed in the article that they mentioned was that this was you know. And it kind of ties into what you were saying about um, about the kind of disparity, you know, between uh, of wealth and, and South Africa and the fact that there's not really a middle class, so to speak, um, that, you know, there was uh, inspiration taken from what El Salvador did that kind of drove uh, pick and pay to, to want to offer this to its customers. Mm hmm. I think that's going to be a theme. You know, we, we see a lot of these same themes and I, I think that's going to be a theme that we see quite a bit over the next few years of we took inspiration from El Salvador, but then what you're going to get is someone that says, well, we took inspiration from pick and pay. Right. Or we took inspiration from Apollo or we took inspiration from cash app. And, and that is, uh, speaking of my dad, one of the, the sayings that I'll, I will, my dad's still alive, but one of the sayings I'll, I will always attribute to him is pioneers take all the arrows. And there are a number mm -hmm. of variations of this quote, but the idea is that the first person out there is going to take the most, it's going to have the most difficult time. It's going to take uh, the most heat for it, um, is going to face the, the largest number of attacks for people saying, what are you doing? That's crazy. You can't do that. And by the time you get to the third or fourth person that's doing it, people just kind of quiet down. So pick and pay is being a pioneer here in some ways. In, in other ways, they're, they're getting inspiration from somebody else. And um, this is just part of how adoption works is that right. people are, you can look at little kids. Little kids just inherently copy things. <laughs> Right. I mean, that's 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 our wiring that's in our sure. DNA. And and we also know in the corporate world, if you look at products, there are very, very few innovative and unique products. Most products are derivative or a copy or a version of something else. I mean, if you go and look on the road and you take a look at uh, the shape, the design of most cars, mm -hmm. I think that if you took all the labels off the cars and you, you looked at the shape of like an average SUV, like an average midsize SUV, whatever that would be, and look at the competitors, they're practically the same car. Sure. Like the design is almost identical. Yeah. How many, how many sedans look like a Honda Accord? All of them. Right. <laughs> really? I mean, they're, they're really, really very few like unique things out there. And um, even the things that are unique aren't, that different like a jeep is pretty different 
you know, Jeep is its own thing. It's its own kind of style. But now we're seeing like, even in that, like there, there are other things that look like Jeeps. Sure. So, you know, when, when we, when we take our, our typical step back and look at, at everything from 30,000 feet, um, even in a time of relatively slow news and even a time of very little price movement, um, you can just see like things are just kind of step by step inching along and it's, it's really global. I, I think this personally, in my personal opinion, I think there's been a shift in the public consciousness over the last like couple of months. It just seems like it's baked into the world. Like countries that said they were going to ban it are now figuring out ways to regulate it. And I don't even know if there is a country that's just outright saying they're a hundred percent going to ban it. Yeah. I, I can't think of one. Mm-mm. Not, not a, not a significant one. There are plenty and of countries that don't like it, but all of them. Yeah. <laughs> pretty much. I mean, except El Salvador and a few others, but most of them don't anyone that anyone with their own central bank doesn't like it. Countries without their own central bank who are relying on other currencies or dollars or things like that, um, they they have a reason to like it. But it doesn't matter because it's just it's it's moving. Yep. It's my my view on it. it's just still moving. No, I agree. Hey, what else? I uh, I think that we are in a. I didn't think we would have a bear market. I, I thought we'd have a bear market. I didn't think it would be at this price level. So I've been wrong about that. Oh, this long? <laughs> uh, no, I thought it was, I thought it would, I, I think it's going to last most, I, I don't know when it, when it will change, but I, I, I suspected it would be the last year to year and a half before the halving. And the next halving is like March, 2024. Yeah. March, April, right? somewhere around there. Yeah. So I kind of suspected that uh, it did start earlier than I thought. And I also thought maybe we wouldn't really have some of these. The cycles wouldn't be as severe because if people understood what was there and uh, things would be different. But uh, but you know the world's going to play out. The, the macroeconomic things and world events are going to play out at their own pace. And sure. I don't know anyone that can really predict that with any kind of accuracy. Um, but I, I do think that's worth mentioning, though, when people think of like a timeline and uh, the stories for things. So something that I've been really big on lately, I've just had a number of people around me having some unfortunate events happen to them. And I, I cannot say that I'm excluded from that because we all have things that that are unfortunate. But uh, there was a quote that I heard that's really resonated with me. And as I've watched it play out, I think it's really amazing. And that quote is, sometimes what didn't work out for you really worked out for you. Sure. And, and the way that that translates here is that when you're telling a story, you have to tell a complete story. And we don't know where any of these stories are going to end. So there have been plenty of people that won the lottery and five years later, they're broke and miserable addicted to drugs, whatever it may be. There are lots of these these uh, large lottery winners that end up in a horrible place in five years. Mm-hmm. And so if the story ended a week after they won the lottery, well, then it has a happy ending. But if the story starts you know, when they win the lottery and you play it out and go forward... It's a tragedy. Maybe it's, it's a tragedy. <laughs> right. So... So people are incredibly impatient. And so we're talking about like what's happening with Bitcoin, these other cryptocurrencies and adoption, these kind of things. People want it to be immediate. And if I were to tell you as an investor, like let's just say I'm your money manager. And I said, listen, Matt, you've got a a million dollars to invest. I would put, I'd buy, you know, uh, 50 Bitcoin which is about a million dollars, right? And uh, I say, listen, you can't sell it. You can't do anything with it for five years. But in five years, I think you're going to triple your money. 
it'll go from 20,000 right now to about 60,000 in five years. I think most investors would say, that's great. A, a triple of your money in, in 60 months, fantastic. But And if I were to tell you that, listen, you're not going to make anything for the first year and a half. Mm -hmm. Say, fine, no big deal. But we live in an instant gratification world where people want to buy something. They want to watch it go up every single day, more or less. And they just want to see it keep going and going and going. And um, that's just not the way things work. And, and and even when we have seen that work that way, like when you look at what the stock market did over the past two years, yeah, it was basically just going up every day. Like you almost couldn't <laughs> lose until Netflix dropped 70%, until right. – uh, uh, I think Facebook's down about 70%. Amazon's mm -hmm. down about, uh, so I think it's about 60, it's 40, I think it's 40%. I'm not yeah, sure. I, was, I think about 40. Yeah. Um, and, and by the way, that has very big implications for these companies because a lot of people at work at like company like Amazon get their compensation in stock options. Mm -hmm. Stock is a big part of their compensation. And, uh, I've actually got a friend that, that works for Amazon. He said, we're going to lose so many engineers because they're going to lose their compensation. They'll go elsewhere. So it, it really is important that you take a look, that you you have a, a lower time preference, right? Which is part of the, the whole Bitcoin ethos. Yep. And realize that things take time to do it. And it's not, Bitcoin is not a get rich quick plan. Right. But, when you, when you take a look and say, okay, well, what's going on? Besides the movement of the price, and, and maybe we're being a bit repetitive here because it's kind of a similar theme. When you look at the infrastructure and the things that are being built around it and you just completely ignore the price, um, I think there's a lot of signal here of what's happening. Yeah, and, I agree. Uh, and it's, it's uh, we're, we're living through a revolution um, and I don't think, I think most people are missing it Yeah, or many it's people exciting. are missing it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, um, with that, I will tell you where you can find us. Thank you. Um, our website, btcbutlers.com, our Twitter, hand, Twitter handle at btcbutlers. Um, you can email us at info at btcbutlers.com. Um, as Michael said in the beginning, if you enjoyed this, please like, subscribe, and share. Um, if you want to reach out to us, please do. We love to hear your comments, suggestions for topics to talk about. Um, you know, whether that's a comment on YouTube or Twitter or an email to us directly, we welcome it. And then, uh, as always, Bitcoin Butlers is here to help you implement best practices as a Bitcoin owner, whether that's buying your Bitcoin storing your Bitcoin securely, setting up an inheritance plan for your Bitcoin, um, running your own node. Those are all things that we can help you with. And uh, if you're looking for any of that type of assistance, uh, please reach out. We'd be happy to help. Excellent. Thank you, Matt. Thank you. Have Until a good one. Time.